Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Greetings, and I know that hundreds, thousands, millions of people are praying for the people in disaster areas. Let's join them. Our loving Father, we thank you that you're a God who answers prayer. We don't understand all the nuances of your workings in our world, your world, where we live. But we thank you that we can come to you. And so we come to you today, our Father, on behalf of the people in Puerto Rico, in Texas, in the Lesser Antilles, Caribbean islands, all of them that were impacted by this, these recent hurricanes. And we pray for the people in Mexico, Texas, the earthquake-riven people in Japan, and the flood-impacted people in India and Nepal and Bangladesh. Lord, the world is experiencing an extraordinary recognition that we don't run everything. We pray for the nations of earth, Lord, in turmoil and wars and talks about wars and wickedness and high places. We pray, our God, for the people who are being driven from their homes by this group, the Islamic State. We pray for the people in Africa and all of the Middle East, and in Asia, and yes, in the Western world as well. Lord, come. Come to your people. Extend your hand of mercy, we pray. And above all, we pray, our God, that we might be recognizing that your word is coming to pass and that you're coming back to judge the world and to rescue it from our devastation. Lord, sin is approach, a reproach to any nation, your word says. And Lord, we pray that people from every nation listening may personally decide to commit their way to you and to pray for their nation to do that. Lord, we pray for each of the nations represented by listeners today. Lord, move. Move in miracle proportions, we pray, and bring glory to your holy name. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 23 is one of the first passages of Scripture I learned to memorize. And the next is the the Lord's Prayer, as we called it, the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as to how to fashion their prayer to God. We began looking at the Psalm 23 last week. We took rather a glancing look and we focused on verse 1. 
Today, I don't anticipate we're going to get much further because so much is packaged there. And I pray that God will move your heart to embrace the shepherd of whom David wrote. Today, we, we have to, well, I'm in no hurry. <laughs> Let me say that. I don't intend to race through the Psalms just so we can get to another place. If I stay in this blessed psalm until Jesus calls me home, I'd say, what a way to go. I know that scholars and great teachers might be critical of the shallowness of our repetition. But let me share a story with you. A man who was mentally challenged and lived in an underdeveloped area of his country would go down to the river and fill his basket with water. Yes, his basket. And by the time he got back to his home, more water had drained from the basket than he was able to retrieve at home. And someone noticing his habit one day confronted him. He said, friend, you are spending a lot of time and energy and most of the water you're gathering is being left on the road and draining through your basket. The man responded, yes, I know, but it serves to keep my basket clean. (laughs) My dear listener, read the psalm as often as you want to, repeat it as often as you want to, read the Bible as often as you feel like it, read passages over and over again, even if a great deal of theological verities escapes your notice and escapes your understanding, God's word will keep you clean. So today we're going back to verse 1 of Psalm 23. In last week's look, we thought about the cause and the effects that David listed for us. He listed cause and effect. In the verse 1, he says, I don't really have a want. The Lord is my shepherd. The cause, the effect, is my need to supply. And he goes through the psalm showing us that. Today I invite you to consider the fact that David engages eight positive declarations. He does this to acknowledge the wonders of his God and the relationship between Jehovah and himself. David's acknowledgments are highlighted by affirmations of daily blessings. Today I'll simply point them out and then return to them next week to look at all eight of his declarations and affirmations. As we look at each of these affirmations, we should ask ourselves, how does this apply to me? Whenever we read the Bible, even if it's a historical record of 3,000 years ago, there's a message there for you. So ask, is there something here that God wants to tell me? Am I taking advantage of Jehovah's power, protection, and daily provision? Is a question I need to ask myself as I read his word? You see, it's possible for us to go through a textual examination of this blessed psalm and find no personal application. But in Romans 15, Paul tells us that everything that was written in the past, in the word of God he means, was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide us, 
we might have hope. Perhaps until today, you have treated Psalm 23 as nothing more than a a great piece of poetic literature, a gem of poetry with sweet-sounding phrases. My prayer for you today is that you will develop a personal, continuous relationship with the Good Shepherd. So here are the eight declarations of David in Psalm 23. We'll go through them and then come back to them next week. The Lord is my shepherd, number one. Number two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Number three, he leads me beside still waters. Number four, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Number six, he says, you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. And finally, he says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now let's go back to the declaration number one. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great prince of preachers from the 19th century, wrote extensively on the Psalms. He wrote extensively on the whole Bible, in fact. In his statement, as an introduction to Psalm 23, he captured my attention. He wrote these words, The position of this psalm is worthy of notice. It follows the 22nd psalm, which is peculiarly the psalm of the cross. There are no green pastures, no waters on the other side of the 22nd psalm, no still waters. It's only after we have read in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? That we come to the Lord is my shepherd in chapter 23. We must be, we must be willing, we must experience, know the value of the blood being shed and see the sword awakened against the shepherd before we shall be able to truly know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. It had been said that what the nightingale is among birds, this psalm is a divine ode among all psalms, for it has sung sweetly in the ear of many a mourner in his light or his night of weeping, and he has bidden him hope for a morning of joy. I love that. We could stop there and just meditate upon what Spurgeon wrote. It's full of instructive information. But I want us to take these thoughts just a little bit further. Just as we must contemplate the cross anticipated in Psalm 22, so also must we look at what the scriptures say about the cross before the crown and the pain before the praise, all of which was anticipated and ultimately activated by Jesus Christ our Lord, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But there's more about the sufferings of the Savior and the salvation he wrought. Come with me, come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame. My friend, this statement breaks my heart. Tears fill my eyes and gratitude fills my heart as I struggle with the magnitude of this statement. The focus here is on this passage, six words, for the joy set before him. What joy could there be in suffering? What joy is it of which he speaks? Where is the joy that Jesus anticipated that propelled him to Calvary's dark hill? Why did he do it? He did it for the sheep. His joy is in bringing you and me into his sheepfold. That's why he did it. He was thinking of the sheep who had gone astray. He was anticipating what would happen as we returned. And he was acting out what he told his followers. He said the good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. And that's exactly what he did. Oh, I hope you get it. You are the source of his joy that took him to Calvary. Oh, let's say with him, Roger, to Calvary, Lord, in spirit now, our weary souls repair and to dwell upon thy dying love and taste its sweetness there. Can you say today, the Lord is my shepherd? God grant you the willingness to embrace him as your shepherd. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.